as God is calling all of us in this house, if you call New Covenant your home, he's calling us into a greater level of discipline and uh, an intentional reading of God's Word and getting the Word of God inside of us. Um, for many years ago, Denny Kramer prophesied that we would become more theologically sound and that there would be a growing in the Word. I remember a prophetic word even going further than that where God challenged me as a leader to get rid of the baby bottles and get out the flak jackets, hand grenades, and, and to build an army of God who is aggressively pursuing the king and his kingdom. You guys remember those prophetic words? Yeah, yeah. And so I know God is uh, doing a work in our hearts, and I was very encouraged this week as several people through many, many different conversations, they were encouraged about the word last week. And there was just a lot of people who, uh, that, that shared with me how uh, different things that they're going to do and how they felt convicted of the Lord to get more in the Word of God. And uh, one person told me, yeah, I'm going to read all the New Testament before Easter. Another person shared how they were going to go redo the year in the Bible and, you know, how you go through the Bible in a year. And, and somebody called me and said, yeah, I, I, on the way to work, I le listened to our, our reading of the week five times, audio Bible on the way to work, and there's just been one thing after another where people have, have shared, and, and so I'm really encouraged. I can feel the momentum of the Lord and the Spirit of God blowing over it. Can you guys as well? And if, it's, and if you're not getting blowed over right now, you're going to get blowed over because uh, God is moving, and He's blowing, and He wants you to have a ride with Him and uh, have a lot of fun and a lot of joy when it comes to the, the Bible. I, I was really encouraged in our discipleship group. Uh, one of our guys came, and we were supposed to memorize uh, Colossians 1.23, but he didn't just memorize 1.23. He did 1.22 and 1.23 all together. And uh, if you were doing memory verse last week, it was a long one. And uh, he did both of them back to back, and it blessed my heart. So you know who I'm talking about. You're here. Bless you. You encouraged my heart. <laughs> so God's good. Well, today in, uh, in my message... Um, I'm going to follow up uh, right behind uh, Brett and Paige uh, about uh, the, the Word of God. And uh, uh, I'm going to take us, uh, I, called, <laughs> I called the message Ge uh, geocaching with God today. And uh, does anybody know what geocaching is? Has anybody geocached? Boy, not very many people have geocached. There's over 3 million Americans that are geocaching. Maybe it's a dying breed. Uh, it's a little play on words, uh, but uh, if you don't know what geocaching is, I, I'm part of the Big Brothers Big Sisters uh, group, and I had my little my little brother uh, is now a big brother. But when we were uh, doing stuff, he always wanted to go geocaching, and it was a Pokemon thing. And so uh, one one time we went on this journey, uh, geocaching with uh, it, and it was in the cemetery on the east side of State Road 3 with the big columns, and there was something hidden in there. There was a treasure to be found. And so he was so excited, and I pull in there, and it gives a few clues, you know, and, and uh, of where it's at. And uh, he just would get so excited about it, and he would drive me around. We'd drive around town finding these little treasures that were hidden, that people had hidden. And that's what geocaching is, just little hidden treasures throughout the city and throughout 
There's one down here on I-70. I looked it up. Here's one on I-70. This cache, cache is at a business just off Interstate 70 at exit 123. It is a short walk to the cache with some, bush, with some bushwhacking, but once you are at ground zero, it should be an easy find. And so people go look for these treasures. And so we're going to go geo geocaching with God today. And I want to say to teenagers today, hey, teenagers, to, you're going to get a geocaching ride with, with me tonight at youth. I am going to hide some money. Does anybody like some money? Bryce Fisher, do you like money? I am going to hide some money in the church uh, for youth tonight. So you need to come with your Bible and an ink pen tonight to youth. I am not running youth. I'm just, the Lord woke me up this morning and said, do some geocaching with the kids. And so it's going to go with them. I want to tell you kids and teenagers, there is some clues in my message today on where the cash will be. And it isn't going to be a trinket like you find in geocaching. It's going to be some cash, real dollars and cents. So come to youth tonight at 6 o'clock. Be ready to find. You will not get to just start geocaching when you walk in the sanctuary. You're going to have to wait for some instructions. So, but we are going to geocache with God and his word today. Can I have an amen? amen. His word is a treasure. Can I have an amen? And so, what I'm going to do, today's message is a little different. All I'm going to do, honestly, today is I am going to take you on the journey uh, that kind of goes along with what Brett and Paige did last week. I'm going to take you just on the journey of my Bible study of our reading this week of Luke chapter 11. And I'm going to take you into my own geocaching with God and looking for treasure out of Luke chapter 11. And I'm going to just take you on a journey with me today. So the message is a little different. It's not going to have three parts in a poem. It's not going to have a joke at the beginning. And it's not going to, but he is going to have an action plan at the end. So that's good. So I'm just going to take you on a little journey with me today in my own Bible study. And you know, some people are bored with the Bible. It's just because you haven't figured out how to have fun with it yet. Amen. That's all there is to it. And it is a treasure trove. And today you're going to get to go with me on my journey through the treasure trope. And so, that is where we're going to start. So, um, if you are reading with us in our, our church reading plan, this week we were on Luke chapter 11. And the way I start my journey uh, is I usually start with prayer. And I just start, God, open the eyes of my heart. Let me see what you want me to see today. I thank you for your word, and I thank you, God, that you're going to open my heart to see what you want. In Jesus' name, and that's how I start usually in my journey in the Word. Now, there was a little, uh, as I was doing it this week, what I also do is I usually read the whole chapter slowly. I just read it, and uh, I usually put, you know, I want to get the context of what's going on in the chapter and all that kind of stuff. But I usually read it several times, and I'll read it many, many times if nothing sticks out. And so, uh, but as I was reading this week, there was something that stuck out to me, and uh, and so I'm going to take you with what stuck out. You guys with me on that? But here's what I do. One of the things that I do is I always read the Word of God with a curious heart. I always read the Word of God with a wonder. Um, I know that there is a treasure and something hidden in the Word 
that he has for me. And so I'm not reading out of obligation. I'm not reading out of duty. I'm reading now in my life. I started with obligation and I started with discipline. But I start and I, I, I read with curiosity and I, re, I read with wonder. Wondering what Papa God is going to show me. So that's how I start. So prayer and wonder. You guys with me on that? So you might put that in your little pocket today and say, hmm, God. And so I'll even say that, Lord, I, 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 want, I want to come to you with wonder and curiosity. And so that, that's, that's really how I start. But here's the passage that kept getting highlighted for me as I was reading, and it's the first four verses of Luke chapter 11, and I'm just going to walk us through that. And I'm going to take you kind of on a step-by-step treasure trove. How's that? So let's re- let, let me read this to you right now, and you can read with me as well. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, <laughs> teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we, are, we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into, into temptation. Now, as I was reviewing my message this morning, something else stuck out to me, even this morning, and I circled the word place. Jesus was playing in a cer- praying in a certain place. And he reminded me, Eric, you know how you like your place on your back porch with a cup of coffee. Everyone needs to find their place. Can I have an amen? You need to find your place. Does everybody hear that? Find what works for you. My back porch won't work for you. I'll kick you out. And it's been cold lately, so it's moved indoors. But honestly... As I was reading the scripture, the very first thing that stuck out to me that I began to wonder is why is Jesus' disciple asking him to teach them to pray? Now you might say, why is the Holy Spirit putting that wonder and you have a wonder inside your heart? And I was wondering, Lord, you have been with these guys for a couple years by the time we, we see this. Why has Jesus never taught them to pray? Hmm, that's what I was doing. And so I just take that to get prayer. Jesus, what is going on here? Why? And I just asked Jesus in my time in the Word, I asked him questions. Why was it that you had never taught your disciples to pray? I would even look, went back in the Word, and there was no place in the Word where it says John taught his disciples to pray. But obviously, it's, it's there, but we just don't see it. And so I start with these questions and these wonders, and I go, okay, God, why? And here's, here's what began to be stirred in my heart as I asked that question to God. I When I asked Jesus, why was it that you had not taught your disciples to pray? This thought came to my mind. As a disciple, should I... I'm looking at my notes because I changed it. 
as a disciple and follower of Jesus, was Jesus maybe possibly waiting on them to be curious and wonder? Was prayer maybe a mystery and a treasure trove that Jesus was actually waiting on them to want to know more? Was actually prayer the treasure? And Jesus modeled it. Obviously, the disciples saw him praying, and I think what actually happened was the disciples going, man, there's something there. I'm curious, what does Jesus do with the Father that we're not doing? Was Jesus actually waiting on them to be full of curiosity and wonder? And as I prayed into this, I remembered the scripture out of Proverbs 25, verses 2. And this is where, again, I'm in my Bible study, I'm in my time with the Word, and then this scripture comes up to my mind. I'll be honest with you, I couldn't remember exactly what proverb it was. I knew it was in Proverbs, but I, I didn't know where. And then this scripture came to my heart. It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. Again, was prayer a mystery that God was wanting them to search out? And then I had to ponder and say, oh God, is there a mystery that you're wanting me to search out? Are you wanting a great... Because I've studied this scripture many times, God. Is there something that you have for me? You see, in the Word of God, there are many mysteries. In creation, there are many mysteries. In science, there are many mysteries. There are so things, many things that God wants to reveal to his people, but sometimes God hides them and conceals them, longing for you to go search for them and to want them and to wonder and to be curious. The mystery of our God. Oh, God, help us. There are many things God has concealed about his glory. He wants you to discover him. When God's people search out the mysteries and the brilliance of God, it delights his heart and it actually brings him glory. And that is, my friends, the beauty of the Scripture that is the beauty of the reading of the word. That is the beauty of the tapestry that lays before us in our time in private with God that he wants to begin to unveil to us. He wants to be, come alive to us and he wants to help it come alive inside of our hearts to where it literally changes us from glory to glory. He reveals his wonder and his glory to his people. And it is a lot of fun. So it becomes a geocaching search with God, a treasure hunt. And you know what? Some never go discover. Some never get to this place of discovery, and I get it. Maybe they're convinced that they can't understand God's word. Maybe they're convinced that they have a reading issue or they're dumb, or, or maybe it's just way too far out there. 
But it's not true. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You can hear and understand and you can find treasures for yourself. And I think today what God's going to do in our hearts, he is bringing an invitation. He's drawing the people to himself. He's saying, I've got a treasure for you. I've got something hidden and concealed, but I'm waiting a little bit for you to kind of come. Because I'm convinced, I propose to you that the disciple actually watched Jesus pray in the scripture. And he was curious and he was full of wonder about what kind of connection that Jesus had with the Father. And he was wondering, how can I get it? Amen. And that wonder and that excitement and that wondering house taught, it made him ask the Lord, will you teach us to pray? I even began to ponder my own disciples and those who I teach and train. I'm thinking, wow, where's their wonder? Where's their searching? It made me even begin to, there's a lot I'm not even sharing today about my thoughts on discipleship and, 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 and creating wonder. <laughs> and honestly, discipling people who want to know the wonders of God. So, that's where my Bible study went for Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And as I was praying into this about God concealing things and him inviting me into the wonder, then this passage began to pop up in my heart too. So as you see, the scriptures, when I'm going through this, God begins to then show me other things. And, and I, I have to look up other scriptures and I had to go to another place. And I, I looked up this passage and it said, Eric, my son, everybody put your name in that. My son, Eric, my daughter, Karen, my son, Samuel, if you'll accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as a hidden treasure then what you what you will you will everybody say i will i will understand the fear of the lord and find the knowledge of god for the lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding you will find treasure. You will find treasure if you seek it with all your heart. It will be found by you. That's a promise. You will find the treasure. So my prayer then, as I was reading the scripture and reading and putting these passages together... I must say that I went all over the map. I even went to a study that was done in 2021 on uh, prayer and uh, on Americans and how they're praying. Did you realize that only 32% of Americans, Christian Americans, pray for their meal? Grace? Only 32% pray for their meals. Do you realize that uh, uh, the average American only prays one to two minutes a day? There's only 5% of Christian Americans that pray more than 30 minutes. I was 
statistics. I, get, I didn't want to geek out too much on them. Because really this message is about prayer, but it's really not about prayer. It's really about discovering what God is saying in his word for me. And I began to pray and said, oh God, draw me into this wonder and mystery of your word. Let the Bible come alive to me. Let it come alive to our church. I want to seek insight and understanding. I want to search for it like silver and gold. I want to find the hidden treasure. God, I want to do some geocaching with you. Because there's a hidden treasure waiting for you in the word of God. And all of us have questions. All of us have issues. All of us have things where we can be diving into the word of God and finding God's presence in it and truth in it. So God is drawing us to mystery. He conceals things. And so like I was telling the youth, there's a hidden treasure. There's going to be hidden money in here. There's going to be hidden messages as they come to youth tonight. Yes. God hides things from us. I don't know about you. Hidden treasure can be fun to look for, can't it? Amen. So where am I going? I don't know. Some of you might say, I don't like to read. You will. <laughs> because once you start having fun with it, you'll enjoy reading. It may start with an audio reading at first, and that's cool. If that's the way you need to do it, just keep doing it. Keep persevering. So as I share just what I've shared with you right now, just right now, that's verse 1. I've shared a lot just already about other scriptures the Lord took with, to me. And, and now I'm into Wednesday and Thursday, and I'm going, Eric, you got to start preparing a message. And so I have this gnawing on me about, Eric, you really need to start working on your message. I've got hours into verse 1. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. Hours into verse 1, and I haven't even started working on my message, and I think, God, oh, I need to start working on my message. Well, I didn't know it was going to be part of my message, right? So then I began to think about, as I was going through the Scripture, I began to remember that, you know, there is another place in the Bible that the Lord's Prayer is in, and it's in Matthew 6. And so here's Matthew 6. 9 through 13, Lord's Prayer. You got to remember that Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples, he's speaking to them in Aramaic. And the, the New Testament is then translated by Luke and by Matthew into the Greek. And so Luke translated the, the, the Aramaic of Jesus a little differently than Matthew did. And this is the one that we all see and this is the one we all more know because this is the one that we've been that has been put into a prayer, right? And so this is Matthew's rendition of it. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Does everybody guys remember that one? As a child... My mom and dad, the church we went to, we, read, we, we quoted this prayer every week. Did anybody else growing up quote this prayer and have it memorized? We were in the Presbyterian church. Karen was in the Methodist church, her Methodist church. 
they would say trespasses instead of sin or debtors, right? And all the different churches and denominational churches do it differently, right? I, uh, Karen, it was really cute. Our, our little granddaughter was four at the time, and we were going to and from places, and Karen would begin to teach Evelyn the Lord's Prayer. And, 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 and Evelyn, our Father, which art in heaven, how do it be thy name? And she would just say it. It was really before she even really talked real clearly, wasn't it? You remember that? And we would be in the car, and Karen would keep repeating it, and it, it was a powerful prayer. Matter of fact, how about we just pray it together? How, we, how about we do that? Everybody, let's just pray this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 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 Now, I've studied this prayer a whole bunch through the years. And I was just like, Lord, why are you emphasizing the prayer for me? And so what I did, I hope this doesn't bore you. I'm really trying to take you through how God works with me, and we're all different. And so as I, as I took this prayer, I began to then break it down into the six, six things that Jesus was teaching them, because he was trying to teach his disciples how to pray. And so I broke it down into six petitions or requests and here's how I did it. I wrote this in my journal. Jesus focuses on six petitions or six needs. The top three, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. What is that? They focus on the preeminence and his presence. The first three focus on God. Everybody say it focuses on God. And in my journal then I did the last three, give us this daily bread, forgive us our debts, and lead us not into temptation. And I put that in my journal. And what do the last three focus on? Us. And so basically what I did is I began to just do a word. And all of you can do this. You can literally take the word, our Father, and look up the Father. You can Google what is the Greek word for Father in this chat. I mean, it all pulls up. Everything is easily accessible from your computer. You can go on Bible Hub. You can go on Logos. You can go on all kinds of different. There are so many resources that Brett and Paige are going to talk about on how to do it. That's not what this message is. You need to get involved in the Zoom call because maybe you don't know how to do this. But this is, for me, I'm a real word guy, and I love what words mean. Words have power. But they don't always translate well from Greek to our English language. And so when you dive into them, God begins to reveal other things to you. So what I did is I began to study each of these. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. I began to just pray into them and say, God, what are you trying to show me? What are you trying to speak to me? And that is what God is going to give us now, is what does it mean? Now, this may be boring for some people because it's my study, it's not yours. <clears throat> I wouldn't say boring. It just may not have as profound. 
there are profound things the Lord spoke to me through this, but there are really a lot of simple things that the Lord spoke to me. But the word father literally here in the Greek does mean Abba, and that is a term that the Jewish people called their natural dads. I know a lot of people have called it daddy. I know there's a lot of theologians that, the, when you, that believe that when you go daddy, it's, 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 a, it's a little too irreverent, and it's a little, uh, they believe, not interpreted quite, quite right, but it is papa. Uh, my, my, my kids call, grandkids call me papa, uh, and it, it, but the word Abba, I wanted, to, I wanted to share with you because it is a term of authority but it is a personal intimacy. It's a, it's a, it, it conveys relationship. When we're approaching our Heavenly Father, what he was trying to teach the disciples and what God was trying to remind me is, Eric, you are my son and I am your father and you can approach me. You can approach me. I mean, we are, yes, it is a reverent thing, but it is a, an intimate relationship. Even when I was studying the, the survey on prayer, it said when people feel emotionally connected to God, they, they pray more. But when they feel God is distant and aloof and up there, they pray less. And so the word Abba literally is, has this, conveys this meaning of warmth and care. God is in authority, but God is approachable and caring. So we are to see God, and we are to approach God as a loving father, a relational father, and he is wanting to be relational with you. So we start first with Father. Oh, Heavenly Father, how many times do we pray? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you. Lord, I approach you. And, and so Jesus has given them an idea. He's trying to teach them how to approach the Father. I'm approaching the Father in reverence, but I'm also approaching the, the Father out of relationship and love. And so I just began to bathe in that, in that relationship that I have with God, and I began to honor him. But it is the thing about putting first things first and God in his preeminence. So God is Papa. He is, there is a relationship component to it, but there is also a preeminence. Preeminence means there is no one other than him. There is no one higher than him. Preeminence is this surpassing. He surpasses all others. He is distinguished. He is supreme. He is highly honored. He is not the man upstairs. He is Yah. We sang about it this morning. He is worthy of it all. He is the source. Father, source. He is the source of all things. It is for him, by him, and unto him. Can I please have an amen? amen. So God wants relationship with you. but we also come in reverence, putting him in his rightful place. Our Father, which art in heaven. I place you in your preeminent place. I place you in your, your, your wonder. Hallowed be thy name. The word hallowed is that your name would be hallowed. Your name is holy. Your name is set apart. You are the holy one. There is none like you. 
Now, I must say that sometimes I forget to do that. Anybody else? Sometimes it's a quick prayer. Oh, God, I need help. Get me out of jam. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I do think we need to put first things first, putting God in his rightful place. Hallowed actually means or is meant his name should be treated and spoken with highest honor and set apart as holy. This is why we don't take the Lord's name in vain. When I hear people go, oh God, Christians who take God's name in vain, oh God, I can't believe this. Oh, or they go, Jesus Christ. I can remember playing basketball in Ball State. And man, we were up there playing basketball and every other word was Jesus Christ. And I finally made a little joke about it and I said, hey, I didn't know you knew him too. Yeah, he's my Lord and Savior. You know, but they were saying Jesus Christ in a derogatory way. To honor the Lord, honor his name. Do not take the Lord's name in what? Vain. His name is to be hallowed. His name is to be honored. He is not the big man upstairs. He is the holy, righteous Yahweh, king of glory. Can I please have an amen? And so the Lord was dealing with my heart in recommitting, me recommitting my heart to reverencing him and getting back to the fear of the Lord in, within the context of relationship. And so, Lord, I just began to repent and say, God, forgive me for where I have dishonored your name, where I've not come to you in a, in a place of hallowedness, in a place of honor, in a place of putting first things first, putting the preeminence of who you are first. God, forgive me. And God, I come before you in the powerful name of Jesus, and I honor your name. You are the king of glory. You are the king of glory. And, and I just want to encourage us all as we approach God that we're approaching him in his honor and his names, namesake. Amen? So I'm, in my prayer, I'm declaring his holy name and that there is none like you. May your name be hallowed, not just in my words, but in my heart. What's another passage that goes along with that? Enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. Enter your, his courts with what? Praise. Sometimes on Wednesday night when we come in here and we pray on Wednesday nights, it's, I, I do not begin with any of the requests. I don't begin with, oh God, pray for our nation. Oh God, help it. Oh God, pray for our teenagers. Oh God, pray for my family. No, what I do is I come in and I go, God, I come in here and I worship you. I honor you. Your name is holy. You are the one who is worthy of praise. We enter your gates with thanksgiving. We enter your courts with praise. God, we want to put first things first. You are the one who is worthy of honor and praise. What does it do? It puts him in his rightful place, and it puts us in our rightful place. Right? How are we doing for time? Wow. Okay, we're not going to get it done. But I'm going to go over... Your kingdom come. I'm going to stay on the preeminence of God. I'm going to stay with one, two, and three right now. Who knows if I'll get to the others next week. We'll see what Papa does on that. Because I think we need to get the first three right before we ever get to the last three. Can I have an amen on that? Thy kingdom come and thy will be done. As I began to break that down, this is the one that probably convicted me the most. This is the one where I had to do some correcting of my own heart in putting myself uh, because I don't know about you, uh, but we all have a will. And we all have a way. One of the things I taught my children from, from young up was 
uh, your way or God's way? Which one is it going to be? It always goes better when we do it God's way rather than our way. But if we are all really honest, when we really get into it all, guess what? You have a will that you assume is God's. I'm the only one, Karen? I know you did. When it all boils down to it, you think your will is God's will. You think he thinks just like you. Guess what? He doesn't. And guess what? God's will always challenges you. It always makes you uncomfortable. First John 5, 14 says this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to what? Whose will? What does he then do? He hears us. I believe that when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray right here, he was reminding his followers that Christians are called to pray and to work for the advancement of God's kingdom on the earth. Not their kingdom on the earth, not their will be done, but that we, he was reminding them, in this prayer, I'm teaching you to put the kingdom of God first and highest priority. The reign of Jesus Christ is in us and it is to operate through us. Can I please have a witness? That the kingdom... And his will is to be reflected through us in how we love, how we obey, how we give, how we serve, how we share our faith, how we minister to people on the streets. The will of God and his kingdom coming and his will being done on earth as it is in heaven is to be operating through you and your operating system. We are advancing the kingdom of heaven. We are advancing the kingdom of heaven. We are advancing the will of God to make it known on the earth. Can anyone say yes and amen? That's me. Your will, not mine. Your way, not my way. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One thing that has really blessed me, and this was not part of my notes, and uh, it is a rabbit trail, but one that is good. And I'm just going to publicly uh, thank Joel and Michaela for taking a risk and choosing to do the will of God, even though it was painful to come to Indiana. And I don't say that to glory them, but they've taken some risk by making a change because they wanted the will of God and their personal will was being, having to be conformed to the will of God's because it's painful. As you leave your family, 
You leave your friends. You leave everything to move towards what God is saying in the Spirit. And we are all to be actively pursuing the will of God. We are actively to be doing the kingdom of God. And where God began to convict me personally is it's so easy for me as a shepherd to focus on the kingdom of God right here and not out there. Bringing the will of God to the community of Newcastle and the surrounding region and finding some people that aren't saved, finding neighbors who aren't saved, and getting the gospel and the truth of Jesus Christ into this community. We are really navel gazers here. We look at ourselves is what I mean. You look down at yourself all the time. We're looking at our life and what we're doing, and we're not really focused on what the Lord wants. Okay, I'm, I'm going to end there. There's a lot more. What I'm trying to do today, guys, is I'm trying to take you through just a simple Bible study and where God bumps me from one thing to the next. And as he begins to show me one thing, and as he takes me into the Greek meanings of these words, it begins to show me how even in my own life as a minister of the gospel, there's areas of my life where the will of God, I've not surrendered to the will of God. And you have them too. But that's not to condemn us, is it? The mystery of God and the beauty of the Word of God is this week I've been drawing to the will of God. I've been drawing more towards His presence and falling in love with Him and His Word all the more as He takes me through this treasure trove. As I geocache with God, it's a lot of fun. This may not seem like fun to you when God corrects you, but I like being corrected. Does anybody like being corrected? Because obedience brings... Obedience brings... Joy. <laughs> The Bible says obedience brings joy. And as I've obeyed the Lord in his word and I've allowed it to begin to work, there's been some more joy. Anybody need some joy? Something about a prophetic word down here, there's going to be some joy and fun with God. It's because we're going to have fallen in love with his word and we're going to obey him this year. There's a greater level of obedience coming to this house. There's a greater level of sacrifice coming to this house. There's a greater level of surrender coming to this house. The people of this house, as we surrender to God and as we fall in love with his word, as we seek the treasure, he is the treasure. His word is a treasure trove. Can I have an amen? Okay. Okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to skip through some stuff, and we're going to go to the action plan. Get your phones out, and then we're going to have Tom come up, and he's going to steward praying for Joel and Michaela. Let's do some geocaching with God this week. So let's get into the scriptures with wonder and curiosity. God has a hidden treasure concealed that he wants you to come searching for. Uh, the sign-up sheet has been going through already this morning for Brett and Paige for their Zoom thing. They're going to help go through on Monday night starting February 12th at 7 p.m. If you didn't get on the sign-up today, you can go out to the Welcome Center before you leave and sign up. Uh, that Zoom call, that jump start. God wants to shock us, teenagers. God wants to shock you. He wants to give you a jump start, put some battery cables on you, and zap you. So you get your motor running. Anybody need their motor running? All right, get involved in the men and women's Bible study or higher realm small group study, or even start a discipleship group. Start a group in your home. If you don't have friends, make one. 
Be a part of the solution. Amen? In our reading this week is Luke chapter 12. Do a here journal or lecture divinia with a passage God highlights to you, which is what I just went through with you. And our memory verse this week is Philippians 2.2. 2.